Thank you for joining us for this special Earth Day edition of Ears of East. Joining us on today's show are two members from our official sustainability team, as well as two students who have an opinion in regards to the following question. Can you call yourself an environmentalist and still eat meat? Uh, check out their conversation. At the end of their conversation, they are going to recommend a few resources. And of course, we will link to them in our show notes. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Zoe. I'm in grade 12 and I am an ear of East. Hello, my name is Bella and I'm in grade 12 and I'm an ear of East. Hello, my name is Edwight. I'm in grade 12 and I'm an ear of East. Hello, my name is Fraser. I'm in grade 12 and I'm the ear of East. Hello, my name is Gabby. I'm in grade 11 and I'm the ear of East. Hi, I'm Herbert. I'm a grade 12 student and I'm an ear of You are listening to the Global Politics Podcast brought to you by the students of UWC-SEA. My name is Jackal Ware and I work in service at East. And being asked if you can be an environmentalist and still eat meat poses an interesting question and forces you to look at your own behaviours and interactions with the natural world. But what does the term even mean? For many, it can be as simple as being concerned about protecting the environment. For me, becoming an environmentalist has been a hugely personal journey. And as it's not just a title, but a way of life and it impacts on how I interact with my surroundings, environment on a daily basis. You can't just stop because you're on holiday. Um, I'm constantly asking myself, would my personal actions be helpful or harmful to the environment? This is where it poses an interesting dilemma for me as an environmentalist. Even though I personally try to eat organic, buy local, promote conservation and protection of the environment, can you still consider yourself an environmentalist and drive a car, travel by aircraft, eat animal products? So after studying about the negative environmental impacts of industrialised intensive animal agriculture as being one of the, the leading causes of global warming, I personally cannot continue to eat meat knowing this. The wonderful thing about emitting meat products is it not only stops the release of methane, which is a greenhouse gas roughly 30 times more potent than carbon dioxide, changing to a plant-based diet also helps address global acidification, eutrophication, land and water use. Becoming vegan can reduce your personal carbon footprint far more considerably than reducing CO2 emissions than through something considered as extreme as giving up your family car and using public transport. Giving up meat is hard. You face physical and mental restraints as food is intrinsically linked to our identity, culture and can be economically challenging. But if you truly love something, then the strength to defend and protect that becomes very easy. Hi, I'm Nathan Hunt. I'm Director of Sustainability here at UWCSEA. Um, so all my comments, and I suppose all of our comments, are partly biased about what we actually do in practice. So I'm a meat eater. I come from a long line of meat eaters where uh, meat uh, was a big part of the sort of uh, culture and diet. Um, I'm British, I'm not Mongolian or anything, it's not as I hunted or anything, but uh, that was part of the diet. So maybe some of my um, uh, reticence about sort of putting a complete sort of ban on meat might come from that. However, I want to pick up on something. Um, however, 
I'm definitely eating now eat a lot less meat than I do in the past. That is a deliberate uh, choice we've made as a family, and that is due to the, um, as Jackal pointed out, the very very clear impacts that the meat and the dairy industry uh, have environmentally, not just on climate change, but on a whole range of uh, issues on deforestation, on acidification, on pollution. We could go on. Um, for me, I think also Jackal emphasised something you want to pick up on. The question is no different from the other things that we have, a the other practices that are part of our lives that have an impact on uh, the environment, a negative impact on the environment. And to that extent, we're all morally compro compromised. So if the question is an ethical question, sh can we do it? Are we sort of morally right or wrong to do it? Um, then that becomes a difficult question because we are, uh, most of um, our lives are morally compromised in terms of the effect on the environment. We all, whether we are a, bike riding vegan who only ate organic food and uh, lived a pretty sort of frugal lifestyle, we'd have a major uh, carbon footprint just because of the place we live. If we lived anywhere in a developed country, we'd have a f carbon footprint that was three, four times bigger than what the world can c sustain on average. So I think we have to look at these things as not an either we do or we don't, but what can we get better at? So it becomes, if it's less of a moral question, but more of an impact sort of question, what's the best thing we can do? Um, I agree with uh, Jacqueline in the sense that it's pretty clear that giving up meat is one of the easiest things you can do as an individual. There's plenty of things you can do as institutions, as countries, etc., for carbon emissions, but as an individual, that's one of the easiest things you can do um, without compromising much of your lifestyle. Whereas, say, for us, giving up flights will be very, very difficult here in Singapore. Uh, you could possibly do it in, in Europe, in the States, wherever, but elsewhere it will be very difficult. Giving up Air conditioning, which, as far as say UWC is concerned, is our biggest, biggest impact in terms of carbon footprint. That would be pretty difficult, pretty challenging to do that. Um, so, as far as an institution, as far as individuals, reducing uh, meat, especially intensively farmed meat uh, imported from a long way, <laughs> is definitely a thing we could we could do. Um, and as far as being a, can you still eat meat with being an environmentalist? Uh, yes, you can because an environmentalist is not a defined position. Either you do something do, or you don't do something. It is a journey. You mentioned journey, I think, Jackal, that we're all taking. So my name is Marlon. I'm from Great, I'm from great South and I've been here for one year. So uh, I think that uh, I would say yes, you can yourself be an environmentalist and eat meat at the same time as long as eating meat is not in uh, uh, very huge, like abundant uh, rates. And I think UWC does a very good job with that, uh, introducing Veggie Wednesdays when we get this habit of at least refusing uh, meat once in a week. Uh, whereas ideally, I think uh, uh, this should be like one day in a week when we eat meat and all other days when we try not to. 
Hi, I'm Hamel. I'm a grade 10 student and I've been at school for three and a half years. And so uh, I guess I first started engaging with climate change as an issue when I was in the eighth grade. And so forwards from that point, I've been, uh, I would have called myself an environmentalist. But at the same time, until a few months ago, I was non-vegetarian, I was eating meat every week. And so I suppose calling oneself an environmentalist is, well, it's not a checklist that you must follow, and it's not so clearly defined. It's just an idea that you have. Uh, it may be because simply, uh, simply because you feel concerned about the issue and you tell other people about it and you might call yourself an environmentalist. But I also agree with the previous point that it's more of a of a lifestyle than that. It's something that you need to uh, enact in your daily life. And for one to exhibit, I feel, true concern and to take all the steps in their power um, to reduce their environmental impact, I think um, not eating meat is the mo most simple ways to do that. Um, from an individual's standpoint. What we want to do, we've had big success in terms of impact with the Veggie Wednesdays. Um, it saves about five tonnes a year across two campuses of the um, of, of meat not ordered, meat and fish not ordered. Um, but really as a sort of institutional response, it's, it's pretty pathetic and going twice a month. Um, when, as uh, you mentioned as well, it should be something where we're, we're eating meat once a month if we if we still want to eat meat. It's that the, the scale of change that's required is absolutely huge. One of the things we talk so we want to actually make it weekly to begin with. Um, working with both Dover and UWC students, and we're working out how best to do this because it isn't universally popular, uh, to, to to say the least. Um, was to say, well, actually, if we just went ahead and changed it anyway, we just went weekly, most people wouldn't really notice that it would be changed from fortnightly to weekly. And you could do that, um, and it would double the impact straight away. That would be 10 tonnes a year of meat and fish not ordered. And in terms of the carbon impact, water impact, that's huge. One of the things I like perhaps to throw out to people now is the thought that actually, but if you did that, you'd be losing the bigger impact, which is the fact that you want to encourage more people to take individual action. So by making it something that's a deliberate choice that they're not doing by default, then in, a, in an educational institution where you're saying, we need to educate people about climate change, it may not be the best thing it's very attractive tactically a lot of kids would have studied nudge theory and things like this that you get people to do things by default um, because they're slow to change and they might disagree um, but I'd like to hear other people's opinions uh, on, on which they think is the best tactic for that. I agree with Mr Nathan and um, I think uh, Bridge Wednesday is honestly actually face, already facing a lot of backlash uh, and uh, people are not even if people are not ordering meat or fish, it's not because they want to have less impact in the environment, but just because they have no other option. And another point I want to I want to uh, uh, talk about that is that um, most of the students, uh, when they don't find any meat in uh, stores in uh, Santai, 
they used to order food from McDonald's or anywhere else, which is even more awful that uh, food is not only, there is only meat, but also food is delivered and uh, they significantly uh, increases the impact. So we also need to think about that. And um, there have been, um, there are in other discussions about whether we need to ban food deliveries and stuff, but um, the thing is that they by banning one thing or like by trying to avoid uh, make people avoid one thing we're always causing another um, um, another problem and that's uh, that's remember it was explicitly said uh, by the principal this is not a ban <laughs> no I know um, that it might seem disingenuous but we deliberately wanted to do it um, as we're encouraging people not to do this rather than coming out with a sort of formal ban and then having sort of implications about sanctions on people who broke this ban, mainly because we want people to see that it's the right thing to do. So in the same way with, with, with Veggie Wednesday, um, one of the suggestions came from a uh, team at Dover said, well, what if it wasn't Wednesday? What if you just rotated it every day? Then people wouldn't sort of plan and they wouldn't sort of go out and all that. It would just be surprised it's, it's Veggie Day today and then more people would do it. But again, that sort of... Um, it, it's is counter to the sort of educational impact that you want to have, which if you can say that, okay, we're only doing it once a week, how about if everybody joins us on this? And the community goes, okay, well, maybe even if I don't love veggie food, maybe if it's not my first choice, I'll get behind it because the whole community is doing this. And, you know, parents will start saying, well, I'll do a veggie packed lunch for my kid and other people will have. And that's that. the whole spirit behind the, it was called Meet This Mondays, the movement was that, it's a community thing. The more people that do it, the better. Um, so we're trying not to uh, we're not trying not to be moralistic about this. We're trying to be sort of engaging the community about this as as hard well, as that's been. Um, personally, in my class, I have uh, I have seen conversations about about this idea, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see many people in support of the idea that we won't be um, ordering food anymore in our lunch times um, because I, I felt after the presentations they were able to uh, to grasp the issue more effectively and so yeah so I people who I knew um, who previously ordered food quite frequently they aren't doing so anymore and so I feel it has had a, a positive impact in that sense, but I think after trying to create such an educational impact, perhaps after promoting this idea for long enough, it can be then reformed into a mm. formal yeah. I, I idea, in which case um, the remaining uh, group in school who are not exactly compliant may also then shift over into sustainable practices. I'm a boarder, so in the boarding, boarding house, uh, uh, since the many scholars there, and it seems like scholars tend to uh, uh, adopt the values of, uh, you know, obviously generally all the values, and uh, in particular sustainability ones, uh, more uh, willingly. And uh, we are, uh, we're trying to avoid ordering food at the boarding house on weekends, and like we have some uh, restrictions. 
Uh, but among uh, J students, I don't really feel like generally following the values of the school and especially following the sustainability path is something like a trend. Uh, people just seem not to care about that that much. And I once I even remember a trip with my with one of uh, one of the students uh, trip to Tampines and we uh, uh, he, he was taking a straw and it was like, hey, you're taking a straw. It's not really cool, man. But he was like, come on like it, it sounded like yeah it's cool it might work but outside school we don't really care about that and that was quite disappointing um so uh, the, sometimes there are some conspiration theories about school administration that they want to like don't want to spend that much money on meat that's why they're doing veggie bands uh, so <laughs> yeah uh many people seem that they want to find uh reasons not to follow Mm. Uh, uh, giving up something, follow restrictions, uh, uh, and uh, find excuses. Do you think that there needs to be more awareness and education around why we're doing Veggie Wednesdays? Do you think um, the student body? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think I think we need to, uh, uh, like first of all, like the education about environmental is environment is already very. Uh, very uh, um, decent in school but uh, n- not many people understand that it's not something like we watching in geography for example we, we start in case studies in different islands in Oceania and it, students don't really understand that it's not only in Oceania or somewhere else it's actually in Singapore it's actually meaningful if you do it right now right here uh, people study like some science like something uh, not related to it that much I, I picked up that as well. Um, one of the teachers said to me, we're not teaching enough uh, basic you know, ecology and understanding because kids are going to be getting this. And in fact, I, I disagreed with her because I said that actually there's a lot of good science and basic environmental education, but when it comes down to something like food and making, if you like, moral choices, they're more emotional uh, decisions rather than sort of rational decisions we're making. I mean, uh, Hamel, for you, was it the case, for example, I know you're probably a pretty rational guy, but um, was it coming to that decision to go vegetarian, was it purely irrational or was it thinking, I really want to do something about my personal impact, you know, from that sort of um, ethical, emotional sort of engagement with the issue? Yeah, so I think, at first, when I started reading up about the about the topic of uh, climate change as a whole, um, I was mainly engaged with it quite objectively, and so it was all about the facts for me and the causes, consequences, implications. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, after I started to engage with it more uh, personally, more emotionally, even, uh, I think then the focus started coming back to me rather than um, me trying to do as much as possible um, within the school community, which is also important, but um, for my actions at home uh, to reflect that as well. So to try not to waste food if possible, to try not to eat meat, that was um, an emotional decision. And also, uh, it was also quite a rational one following uh, I was reading an IPCC report mm. about um, global warming targets, which I discussed um, 
with, with many of my friends. And I, I think after reading that uh, report and its kind of harsh realities, um, it really pushed me to make that change because it, it wasn't on the table in my mind at all previously because right, I just yeah. wasn't thinking in that direction. Mm. But after, after really thinking about it, I felt that it was the action that most aligned with my beliefs. The values-based education, we said we, we teach values and as difficult as that might be, if we said actually values are too difficult to teach, <laughs> we were only going to teach the, the science of it anymore, we'd be negating the whole sort of UWC um, pedagogy really, which is that you have to do that. Um, we seems to me that we just got to find better ways to do that where people don't think you're putting your values onto me and it feels like brainwashing us man i think a lot of students elaborate on the fact that uh this whole like value thing or emotional thing uh, and um uh, it's all, these are all attempts of uh brainwashing uh, so people don't really like when um uh, especially like a foreigner or someone who is uh, uh, who uh, has power over students mm. uh, say that you have to like we expect you to do some this from this it's like more like teenager thing than like okay you want me to do so but I won't do that because just because that's your mm. request um, yeah. do you think the uh, Jack or you might have seen this back in uh, Australia recently the uh, climate strikes that are going on worldwide, very much a youth-led uh, thing by the teenagers, um, exactly the population that's here, you, you, should ma you can imagine, is around the world. Um, obviously we've seen less action in our context as that's sort of understandable, but do you think there's an opportunity now to sort of say, well, okay, kids are pressing for change globally on climate change. The school is trying to press for change. Maybe we'll see more stuff coming, more demand for change on things like, okay, we, we know that eating less meat, it makes the, one of the biggest impacts. Mm -hmm. that there's hope for more sort of student agitation for this in our context. I say? have previously had quite difficult conversations with many students about mm -hmm. Uh, their consumption where they simply don't understand what I'm saying. So mm. if I suggest to someone that they should reduce the amount of meat they're consuming, they might uh, not understand me at all and just block off from that point forward. So I suppose what I was trying to think is that you know, you're an example of someone who's uh, agitated for change and led change. If, if we looked at the Aussie schools and Britain and elsewhere, there's a lot of kids standing up and... They're angry. They're angry, yeah. But they feel helpless about their future and their direction and what's being handed to them. And I feel here uh, the students are in a position where they're being given very clear direction with where they're heading and there is hope for them and they have financial, um, you know, economic and, you know... At the, it's definitely the students in that I've come across that are angry that feel that's been taken away from them and that yeah, yeah. I think there's a so complacency here with the issue is not so much climate change as as opposed to a, 
a good future as well in terms of... I think that's part of it. Jonathan Porrett is a famous, he calls himself an environmentalist, he's a famous within the environmental movement. Um, his uh, book, which I think is called The World We Made 2050, you'd have to check the title, but it's Jonathan Porrett uh, out of the UK. And um, it's imagining a world where we've actually made the right decisions and we've made some uh, very, very good progress um, and the world is a lot better if we'd made those decisions now. A second thing I would encourage people is that we've actually done a lot of work on discussions about things like Veggie Wednesday and we can showcase the work that's been done and gather all the facts together on our blogs. So uh, at the moment exists on the uh, on a Dover campus blog, but it'll soon be on our Census Sustainability East Campus blog as well. But if you look at Sustainable Campus Blogspot on Dover, um, anybody can contact Japa Riot for that. Is the whole page on there on Veggie Wednesday, its impacts and why we do it. I encourage people to sort of read before they come to an opinion. That will be really useful. Um, a book I read as a teenager which kind of spearheaded me into wanting to be involved with environmental movement was Rachel Carson's Silent Spring and I found that uh, very powerful that um, she made such an impact on you know targeting and in a political sense and where, where that went so I'll leave that with you. Yeah. Um, in, in the boarding house we recently yeah we, we've um, there was a uh, show of uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, probably I guess you know uh, that is called Before the Flood. Uh, it's very, uh, it's like both educational and more in inspiring as well. I really like the part when DiCaprio talks to Obama, and uh, it's uh, actually uh, the actual moment when people want to ask the government how to act, like why are you doing in order to prevent uh, global uh, climate change. So it's it's very uh, informative thing. Um. Yeah, so for me, um, I feel the facts have always spoken louder to me than uh, rhetoric. And so if someone wants to really get into the science of it, I think uh, the IPCC has uh, a recent report, I, I forget the exact name, but it's relating to limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius and how that is um, becoming more and more uh, so an unrealistic target, uh, yet it's something that we've been discussing ever since the Paris Agreement. Mm. And so uh, that, that is very interesting. It's quite a long report, but there are many articles uh, about it which may uh, give you a, a general sense of the trajectory at which uh, climate change is progressing. And I also would recommend a documentary by Al Gore um, called An Inconvenient Truth, which is, um, which is quite interesting, and it's what initially got me started, I guess, on this path of environmentalism. Mm. 